Randy Stewart Duran was a 22-year-old from Sacramento County, California. He was a former Marine and loved to write songs. In the spring of 1978, Randy moved to New Orleans to start a new life. Once he got there, Randy sent a message to his family that he was okay. He was never seen again. Or was he? I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. It's often said these days that nobody ever writes letters anymore. Nobody gets out a piece of paper, gets a pen, sits down at a table, and fills the empty spaces with words, front and back, then sends the message off, knowing that it will take maybe a week or longer for the receiver to get it. In the 21st century, it's become too much work despite letters being the accepted long-distance type of communication for like 500 years. I suppose before that, civilizations had stone tablets and parchment and vellum. With this big change in the last 20 years, my perception is corresponding with people has become less personal. Yes, easier, simpler, quicker, but... I'm not sure everything is now better. Well, with the disappearance of Randy Duran, he wanted a change, so he moved across the United States. And Randy even sent a written message saying he was okay. In fact, he may have even sent two of them. Then nobody heard from him. And we're left to decipher a puzzle on a postcard. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Randy Duran had a troubled childhood. Yes, he had a sensitive side. He loved writing and music. In fact, his mother still has much of Randy's work. However, Randy also loved to fight. Maybe these days he would have grown up to be in the UFC. Instead, back in the 70s, Randy went to the Marines. However, he got an honorable discharge when it was discovered he had an unfixable back injury. Yet, once back in California, Randy quickly grew tired of his surroundings and decided to hitchhike to Florida to see his grandmother. However, for some reason, Randy stopped in New Orleans. So, in 1978, not long after reaching that city, Randy called his aunt in California. Then later, in April of that year, Randy sent her a postcard. He said he was fine. Randy passed along his love to most of his other family members. After this, nobody heard from him. Randy never gave anyone a number or or address where he could be reached. 
yet it doesn't seem that his family worried. Then, out of nowhere, Randy's aunt received another postcard in 1982. Not from New Orleans, but from a city not far away. However, the author of this postcard was not Randy. Yet, seemingly, Randy's aunt believed Randy wrote it. Thus the reason she gave the message to Randy's mother. The author said he or she had just gotten engaged. To this day in 2021, the true sender of this postcard is unknown. Going back over 40 years to analyze a disappearance is always difficult. No cell phone pings, no GPS, no social media, seldom any video camera information, in addition to witnesses and suspects dying. Yet, the investigation process should never change. We should take a look at the facts and go from there. And that process starts by trying to answer these three questions. Number one, why did Randy stop in New Orleans when he told his family he was going to at least visit with his grandmother in Florida? Number two, no matter if the second postcard was written by Randy or not, why did Randy not give his family his contact information in New Orleans in the first postcard? And number three, if it wasn't Randy who sent the second postcard, then it had to be someone who knew his aunt. Then why didn't the aunt ever say that? Randy's family is still not sure what to think. They certainly hope Randy is out there, alive. The guests for this episode are Randy's sister Valerie Duran and Barbara from the Underground Mysteries blog. Unfound News I have confirmed my next show with Dr. Telesco on her YouTube channel. It will happen on July 29th, that's a Thursday, at 7 p.m. Eastern. We will be discussing both a disappearance and small-town corruption as we feature missing person Megan Lancaster. Next, Season 2, Volume 3 of the Unfound book series will be out soon. Yes, this is how quickly they'll be getting published now that I've found someone to work on them. It will feature the following missing people. Troy Galloway, Patsy Action, Danielle Bell, Evelyn Hartley, Dal Phillips, Tyler Stice, Bill Underhill, and Patricia Taylor. Finally, mark your calendar. I will be speaking at a university in Louisiana on October 12th, so about three months from now. What school? I will give you more details as we get closer to that date. I can't wait. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. This week, I need to thank Sandra. You can also contribute at PayPal. 
paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. Thank you for watching and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com or you can track down my assistant Heather in the Facebook group. Playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfoundpodcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com and please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the sister of Randy Duran, Valerie Duran. Valerie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here. You are Randy's sister. Uh, Maybe I should ask you this first. Are you his older sister or younger sister? I'm his younger sister. I'm the middle. I'm in the middle of the family. And uh, how many um, children are there? There's three. Three. Well, actually, there's four. There's three from the same father, and then our youngest brother is from a different father. Oh, okay. All right. All right, so you have Randy, you have you, and then you have a younger sister. And then Patrice, there's an... and then Kevin. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, and um, did all of... Uh, just to get an idea of the Duran family, um, or would you say that you and your siblings were close... Um, growing up, you know, you know, maybe early teen years or even earlier than that, how would you describe the Duran home? I would say yes, that we were fairly close, um, but uh, there was conflicts at times, like every all teenagers have. And, mm-hmm. um, my um, brother was more of a, a little on the wild side when he was younger, uh-huh. and was sent away to a boy's home for a while. Wow. Okay. And uh, so that did, I, I guess what you're saying is that did not happen to you and your un- your un- your uh, younger sister? No. Okay. Um, maybe I can ask you this. How many years uh, difference is there between you and Randy? Uh, n- about nine months. Only nine months. Wow. Mm-hmm. I guess that's as close as you can get, right? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, would you say that uh, you two were close, you know, growing up, uh, even in if he got sent to a boy's home, etc.? Would you say that you and yes, you... no. There were times that we were and times that we weren't. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. What, um, what would you say Randy was into? The way you remember him going back to the 1970s? Um, what was he uh, into? Interests, hobbies, sports, etc.? Um, he wrote a lot of songs. He was very creative. He played the guitar. And, um, he got in a lot of fights. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, he liked you know, to we fight. Teenagers. He, he, he did, like, you know, uh-huh. him and his friends. I mean, at that time, the, uh, can I say he smoked weed? <laughs> you, you, uh, it's up to you what you want to say about him. I cannot make you say anything. This is all up to you what you want to say, Valerie. Of course. 
But we do talk about marijuana on the program. That is certainly not a new topic. The listeners know. That's fine. Um, if you want to say that, that's Randy, fine. But Randy was um, super, super intelligent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. You could ask him any mathematical problem, and, and he would do it in his head and tell you the answer. Huh. Uh, Super it, smart guy. Yeah, would you say that that is uh, a genetic, or was that just uh, in your family? Uh, I don't is that know. Just, uh... I don't think so because I'm not that great in math. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, my mom is okay. She's you know, but, uh-huh. and uh, my sister's okay, but my brother was above, mm-hmm. uh, way above average. Okay. Um, did that transfer? It, it does sound to me like he might have been a little troubled, as you've explained. You know, being sent to a boy's home, but. Uh, in his education, uh, was that intelligence displayed in his education or, or not? You know, did he I do would, once? I, I'm going to say that I would assume so. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Randy was uh, fairly troubled in his younger years. Got okay. in a lot of fights. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe uh, maybe ask you this: How did he get along uh, with your parents? You know, was he close? Uh, we didn't have we didn't have parents. We had a mom. Okay. And um, okay. He he. It was up and down. And mm-hmm. um, we had my mom had husbands that would get mad at Randy, and they would mm. fist fight him. Oh my. So he was, there was, oh my. it was a troubled, it was troubled. It okay. was a troubled family. Okay. But on mm. Randy's side, I mean, for him. Because mm-hmm. he was a big guy, too. Randy was fairly tall, mm-hmm. and um, there was a lot of conflict, you know, between mm-hmm. him and my mom's husband. Gotcha. <laughs> and that's common, you know, stepfathers, stepfathers, stepmothers, uh, that, that is common. And it's, once again, it's a topic that we've uh, talked about a few times uh, so far after uh, over 200 episodes of Unfound. So um, you're saying some things the listeners have heard before. Okay, um, so he did get sent to this boy's home. Where was that? Do you remember how long? In Texas. I couldn't tell you exactly. I couldn't tell you the city. Mm-hmm. I just know it was in Texas. And I don't remember how long he was there, but my mom eventually found out that he was being abused by the administrative, you know, the staff. Mm-hmm. Like he was being, like, getting in fights and being beat up. So she mm-hmm. went and took mm-hmm. him back home. She had to literally like sneak him out and take him back home. Oh my gosh. Can you even begin to guess? And I realize, and uh, the listeners should know, Valerie and I talked about this right before this interview start, we're started. You know, we're going back to the 70s and we understand that maybe some of these dates and years are going to be a little cloudier than a lot of the more recent disappearances uh, that we've covered on Unfound. But can you even begin to guess what year that might have been that she had to go back down there and uh, well, take him a, back? He was a teenager. Yeah. I know that. And so it was before his, he probably was about 16, maybe okay. maybe 16 in that area. My mm. mom would know better than me, but okay. I didn't really pay attention to stuff like that. You know, I just right. knew where he was. And, you know, when you're a teenager, you're more worried about your girlfriends and what mm, you're going to do. Right. And, you know. Right. You have your, in your teenager, you have your own life to live. You have your own friends. If you're going to school or whatever else is going on in your life, it's not your job to keep tabs on your brother. 
it's not. And so we get, that's totally understandable. So you're saying he's about 16, so let's say maybe about 1972, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh... You know, I, I'm interested in that. You know, California, um, big state, has a lot of uh, facilities and things. What What was it about Texas uh, sending him to Texas? Was there not, some, do you even know I what? I don't know. Don't know? I don't know why. I don't know. Okay. Totally fine. All right, so he gets back uh, to California. Do things improve at all? No, when he got, I mean, just when he got sent to uh, the boys' home, and when he was a teenager, we were living in Las Vegas, not California. Oh, you were living in Las Vegas. Well, that might yeah. make it a little more understandable then. That Las Vegas uh, not as populated, and uh, surely not as populated in the seventies as it is now, and maybe doesn't have as uh, many, you know, doesn't have as many people. Wouldn't have had something like that. So maybe makes. A little more sense. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, so this was in Las Vegas. Many people know yeah. that I used to live in Las Vegas from 1998 to 2011. Uh, well, after this. So you're in Las Vegas, and then he comes back, and do things get better? or Anything changed? Does it sound like uh, him going to Texas changed him at all? Anything. Um, it's hard to say. I never thought he was really that bad, you know, mm -hmm. except that he just um, was like a, a typical teen, but Randy was more, had a higher intellect than most right. okay. teens. And um, he thought about things more. He was more inside his own head. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Than most teenagers are. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Um, did he graduate from high school or... Um, I think he graduated in the military. Okay, well let's well, let's move on to that. Thank you for bringing uh, that up. Uh, how did he get involved uh, in the military? I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. All okay. I know is he joined the the service. He was in the um, the it's the army. He was in the Marines. Okay. He was in the Marines, and, and then he and he was. Um, let go with an uh, uh, honorable discharge Okay. because of a health issue. Do you know what health issue that was? It had something to do with his back, the bones in his back. Oh, okay. Well, that certainly could do it. Okay. So he comes back to Las Vegas, and so let's just maybe move on to this. At some point, though... Um, you know, you're in Las Vegas, and then he, but he went to California. Yes. Why did he go to California? Uh, we have our whole family lived there at the time. I mm. think my grandma was there, my aunt Sandy, and my uncle Steve. They everybody lived there. My mm -hmm. sister lived there. I was I was in Las Vegas. Okay. And so he's he's in California. Who's he living with? Um, I he, I think he was living with. My Uncle Steve's um, mom at the time that lived in Hollywood. I think he lived with my aunt Sandy, or my mom for a while, mm -hmm. which um, there were some problems there because mm -hmm. she was again married to a man that had no ties to him. So mm -hmm. he didn't want him there. So he went to stay with my Aunt Sandy and then went to stay with um, my Aunt Sandy's husband, my Uncle Steve's mom, lived in Hollywood. And that's where he lived, and that's where he left, and that's mm -hmm. where he, from there, he disappeared. 
Okay. Uh, and this is the Sandy we're going to talk about a little bit later in regards to the postcards? Yes. Okay. Well, sure, her name will come up later. Okay. Um, the way you remember it back then, once again, um, you're nine months younger uh, than Randy, and um, and he decides, once again, just your impression uh, back at the time, when he decided, um, given what was going on in California, maybe not getting along with your mother, uh, new husband in her life, not getting along with him, he decides that he's going to, you know, leave California. Did you, did your, was your family surprised by that? Were you surprised when you heard about that? What do you remember about that time? Um, I, it's, it's very vague to me as a matter of fact. And, mm. uh, cause I lived in Vegas at the time mm-hmm. and, um, all I know is that he had some girl that was hanging out with him for a while and she was not liked by the family and she was a thief. And so they kicked mm-hmm. her out and my brother went with her and then, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what made him. I think he decided to go to to um, to the Florida where my yeah. grandmother lived, and the reason was because he got in a fight with my uncle Steve. Okay. Over some reasons, I don't know what the reasons were, and mm-hmm. he left. And um, I don't think anybody was surprised that he left because Randy was always leaving, but mm-hmm. he always came back. And, right. Um, Right. But this time he didn't come back. Okay. And so when he left California, you had a grandmother that lived in Florida. Was this your mother's mother or your father's yes. mother? Your mother's My mother. My mother's mother. Okay. And do you think, once again, your best recollection, uh, do you think that this grandmother knew that Randy was headed to Florida? Or... Yes, I think so. Okay. I and... think she did. Okay, anybody worried? Uh, my understanding. Uh, yes, re- when, he, when he came up missing, my grandmother, mm-hmm. Nana, who's not alive anymore, mm-hmm. um, tried to find him, and uh, mm. these people said that they would help her to mm. find them, and she gave them her platinum wedding ring. Oh, my. To pay. Oh, my. And, they just, they just took, they ripped yeah. off. They yep. didn't do anything. They took advantage of her. Yep, and that's still happening to this day in 2021. It's all disgusting. It's horrible. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I, so I, I, I'm sorry. So she lost her wedding ring, which was platinum, you know, which they, mm. very expensive. And, uh, right. And she didn't find Randy. And okay. She was heartbroken over Randy. Randy and her were very close. Okay. Very, all right. very, she, he was her favorite. <laughs> okay, and you can say no, that I mean, as one of... I'm not saying that in a... In a I, I mean, it doesn't uh-huh. bother me. I just know that uh-huh. uh, she just adored Randy, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Valerie, I know a little bit about that myself because I, I would say that for one of my grandparents, I think I, I think I was, I think <laughs> I was, his, I think I was a favorite too. So uh, I, 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 I was in that position at one point. So okay, thank you that, thank you for being honest about that. All right, uh, anybody worried about him hitchhiking or everybody's thinking, you know what, Randy's uh, twenty, early twenties, he can handle himself. I don't even himself. think anybody even thought about it to be honest with you because. At that mm-hmm. time, everyone was so involved in their own lives, and that's that's the tragedy about these things that happen like this: is that 
you don't ever think anything is ever gonna, like this is ever going to happen to you. Right. You know, you always think sure. you just, you don't, and you just go about your life and uh, we forget to get involved until right. it's too late sometimes. Yeah, so that's... I think that's what happened. Yep, that's and that's uh, something uh, even today. You know, 40-some years since his disappearance, it still goes on today. Nobody thinks it's going to happen to them, and they're just, everybody's minding their own business, and then, right. you know, then a family member goes missing. It could be uh, a young man like him, or it could be a, a guy in his 40s, a woman in her 40s, and her 60s. We've covered uh, a wide demographic of people. You're exactly right, you, you know. Um is it your understanding that given that is the belief that he was going to go to Florida to see his grandmother, uh, is there any proof that he actually did make it to Florida to see her? Or did she say later, you know what? He never ended up here. I don't know. All right. So we're in... that, I, I don't know if he, uh, okay. So if he ever made it to Florida or not. Okay. So after, um, let's just say pick a year after 1978 and once again you've already stated that she wanted to help try to find him she didn't say something to the effect of yeah he came and saw me for 10 days and then he said he was going to go back to New Orleans nothing like that the way you remember it no because I I didn't I was a single parent in Las Vegas mm -hmm. was too busy just trying to make a living myself, you right. know, and take care of my kid. And, right. Uh, I gotcha. we, didn't, we didn't really talk that much, you know. Uh, yeah. And we, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't even really think that um, because he was older, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel embarrassed that I have, I say things like this because I feel like, why didn't we know? Or why don't I know? And, why didn't I get involved? You know, that's the kind of stuff I feel yeah. sometimes. Well, uh, Valerie, all I can tell you is I, I don't want you to ever feel guilty about any of that. Okay? It, you know, once again, it's a long time ago. I, I think that in the 21st century now, I think people have a, a better understanding a lot of these things. I don't think in the 1970s we were quite there yet. Of course, there's still a long way to go as far as families and the public understanding disappearances and what goes on. So I, I think that uh, I more than anybody can understand what you're saying. Okay. I actually, and those, you know, I never even thought about disappearances and things mm -hmm. like that. That things like this would happen, and and then when, when this happened to my brother, when I had my daughter, I was always on the doe center, showing my daughter what could happen, and very mm -hmm. um, aware yeah. of telling her. But at, in the seventies. Uh, in the 80s and whatever we never even yeah, thought it about never it never occurred to you it's I it's very common you know it's very common so I don't want you to beat yourself up on that if you have over the last 40 some years I don't I don't want you to do that um so we do know though he he left and um and we're gonna get to these postcards in here in a bit but to your knowledge once again I know you had your own life to live uh you're in Las Vegas you have a lot of family in California. Uh, he's going to New Orleans, and, there, and I think there's decent proof that he did make it there, whether he went to Florida first and then went back to New Orleans, whatever the situation. To your knowledge, when he got to New Orleans, or any, did he ever call anybody and say, hey, I'm here, I made it? Uh, he called my Aunt Sandy. I, don't, uh, mm -hmm. I did hear about that one phone call. 
Okay. He did call my aunt Sandy and to- told her that he was okay mm-hmm. and that um, he was doing all right. I don't know all the everything that he said. I just know the kind of the gist of the phone call. And he told her that he had to go because he had to get on the boat or some kind of boat, and he hung up. Hmm. All and right. That's why we thought maybe he was working on a big yacht or. You know how they have those boats out there in New Orleans? They have, like, the I don't know if they were casinos at the time, but they have those old-style boats, steamboats, that used to be on the Mississippi. Yeah. The big paddle wheel boats. Yeah. Yeah. And you had, so that led you to believe possibly that he was, uh, that's where he was working. Right. Okay. Um, maybe you can, being that we you've mentioned her uh, once and now you've mentioned her again, uh, why do you think it was Sandy uh, was the person he picked out to call? Was he closest to her? Why didn't he, I don't know, call you or, or somebody else? Why do you think it was Sandy? Because I think he was um, closest to, like, my my cousins, Jamie and Scotty at the time were young, and those are my Aunt Sandy's kids. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was fairly close to my uncle Steve. He wasn't that close to my mom. Okay. When he was a little boy, he was, but as he got older, he grew distant from my mom. Okay. All right. So we. Uh, so he goes, and he he seemingly gets there, and just how close were you with Sandy? Uh, she is not alive anymore, unfortunately, but. How close were you with her? Close as he was or, or not? Or? I was very close to my Aunt Sandy. My Aunt Sandy um, raised me as a little girl for a few okay. years. So um, I was very close to my Aunt Sandy and my Uncle Steve. Okay. All right. And they were in uh, California. Yes. And, and you are uh, were in Las Vegas. Okay. Now let's move up. Um, we're going to move up to this postcard, which I, you know, there are actually two postcards that make up uh, a large majority of, um, you know, pieces of information that have got a lot of examination over the years. But these two postcards, I think, have uh, been dis- dissected. Um, you know, I've looked at them. Your family has known about them for a while. Um, we know that uh, a, a woman who runs underground the, the blog Underground Mysteries has done some nice work on uh, looking at those as well. Uh, let's just talk about this postcard. Uh, it's dated April 18th, 1978. Did you know about it? Looking back at the time, did you know that he wrote this postcard? Or did you not find about it? No, out I about- didn't find out about it until later in life because I, I was in Las Vegas. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I um, when I went back to California, I don't remember exactly when I went back, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I went with my mom, and she showed me all of that. And we went to, um, like, what's that show called? Unfound, Unknown Mysteries? Or Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. We went into Hollywood or wherever it was. I don't remember, but... We went there and we tried to get it on the Unsolved Mysteries and yeah. they wouldn't accept it. They said it had been too long and we didn't have any details and uh-huh. so they wouldn't accept the story to put to air it. And yeah. So that's when I found out about the postcards and everything mm. that... Uh, okay. And my mom still to this day has those and she has all his writings 
that he left and she has all the his paperwork of all his songs that he wrote and everything wow okay so when would you say being that this postcard we're I'm, and I'm going to uh, read what the postcard says here in a moment, but uh, would you say that it was like ten years before you found out about this postcard, or even longer I don't, than? I don't, I'm not sure if it was that long. Okay. My son was uh, uh, a little boy at the time, so okay. Because I think when people start thinking unsolved mysteries, that was certainly a show that started in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the exact year it started, but it was certainly in its heyday in the late 80s, I, I would say, with Robert Stack. So, but at least a few years after its dated date of April 18th, 1978. Yes. Okay. All right, so I'm going to um, read it right now uh, for the listeners. It says, Dear family, I'm doing fine working, eating, sleeping good. It's all right here. Made a couple friends. Still miss you all, especially Kevin, Grandma, Scotty, James, Mom, Sandy, Steve, and Grandma Rose. Love, Randy. And um, the postmark is April 18th, 1978, from New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, I will mention, uh, in fact, uh, you and I talked about this in a prior conversation. You are not mentioned in that postcard. Unfortunately, <laughs> <Valerie>. <laughs> right, but it could be because I didn't live there. Okay, and I was living in Las Vegas. Right. Okay. So. Uh, maybe the listener is going to say, "Well, I didn't hear Valerie's name." Yeah, her name was not mentioned, <laughs> and Valerie and I yeah. have talked about that. She's not taking it personally. Okay. And so yeah, this I mean, and the, yeah. right and the postcard and uh, by the time the listeners are hearing our voices. On what will be July 16th, 2021, I will have posted pictures of uh, the postcards, both of them, uh, on a variety of media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, so everybody can look at them for themselves, in addition, going to the website where they are prominently uh, posted. Uh, and you but, will post the pictures that, that, you know, that Barbara posted on her, on the site? Yes. There's pictures of Randy and the yeah, whole family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I'm going to, yes, that's always done for every episode uh, that we cover, for sure. Uh, now, the listeners uh, will see that, uh, being that Sandy, uh, the aunt, said that, um, uh, Randy said something about, got to go get on a boat. Now, what, what might be interesting to the listeners is that the postcard's picture on the other side of it, the non-writing side, has a picture of a steamboat in New Orleans. Okay. And, um... Any reason um, that, uh, do you think, being that it took you a few years to find out about it, but is it your impression, for example, that your mother knew about it as soon as Sandy got it, or some of these other oh, people yeah, meant I'm, I'm they knew it? I'm pretty sure. All right, so. Uh, she, uh, well, you know, I don't know if she knew about it right away. Um, mm. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Okay, just just not sure. All right. You would think you would think that that Sandy would have told other family members, "Hey, I got this postcard from Randy," but you don't know that. Well, I think the postcard came fairly recent after he had left, so mm -hmm. it, it wasn't really a concern. You right. know what I mean? That sure. He had gone missing. Sure. Yeah, he just sent a postcard like most people do. Right. You know, I don't. I don't know if you know with the 21st century technology. I don't know if. Um, 
postcards are sent as much as they used to be, but back then certainly. I don't think so. Everyone yeah. texts. Right. That's, <laughs> Everything's well, on. You yeah, know. it's it's things uh, have changed. People don't write letters or nothing anymore. That's, like, uh, that is unfortunately. true. That's true. So he gets there, and it, and it very well may be this is a postcard just to say, hey, I got here. I'm okay. Right. Okay. Um, and But your impression, you're just not sure, though, if Sandy passed this postcard around to other people. Yeah, I'm not sure, not sure how long she had the postcard before my mom was made aware of it. Okay. And I guess what we're also saying, though, is being that it seems you didn't find out about the postcard until the 80s is you had several conversations with Sandy and, and that postcard never came up. And then just one day it became a thing. Right. Right. I, uh, okay. Because I think it's because none of us really, like mm. I said, you know, unfortunately people become so involved in their own mm, lives right. that they don't. Okay. Just I just want to make sure the listeners understand that the postcard was sent to Sandy and at least a few family members knew about it, but not everybody knew about it. Right. Okay. All right, so... After that, once again, what are you doing? What are you doing in Las Vegas? You've talked about, you know, being a single mother. You being, uh, what were you doing in the late seventies in Las Vegas? Being a mother, working, etc. Yes. Okay. And were any other of your family members uh, living in Las Vegas, or was everybody else in California? No, everybody else was in California. Okay. So, so maybe even you were kind of a little disconnected from them a little bit okay so um you're living your life of course 78 79 80 at any point in that time once again you yourself did ever start to occur to you you know nobody's really talked about randy i really haven't heard from randy nobody said anything about him did that occur to you at all or was that just something that didn't come up um to be honest with you, I don't even remember whether okay. it did or not. Okay. Never somebody calling you in Las Vegas and saying, hey, have you heard from Randy? Haven't heard from him for a while. You mean like one of my... Yeah, yeah. So mentioned. like maybe your mother or so no. any of these people that are mentioned in this postcard, for example. Anybody ever call no. you and say, hey, has Randy called you? We haven't heard from him in a while. No. Nothing. Okay. All right. So I guess are are we then saying that there was, you know, we're going to talk about this next postcard here in a moment. So it was multiple years where you're in Las Vegas, they're in California, and he's in New Orleans, and nobody's really concerned about him. Is that your perception? Right. Yes. Okay. All right, and does it seem any inquiries during that time, to your knowledge? I know, obviously, you did not do any, but any any inquiries by anybody in your family uh, trying to get a hold of him? You know, did anybody have an address for him to write him a letter? Anybody contact no. the New Orleans Police Department? Anything like that? Later on. Later on. Later, yes. When, yes. Okay. My mom did, and my mom went to New Orleans, actually. Right, and we'll, I certainly want to talk about, about that. But, you know, when you, um, were you getting together uh, for Christmas, for New Year's no. or anything? No. Nothing like that in Randy's no. name? Nobody, Randy's name? No. Okay. So let's move on to the next 
postcard. And the, although the, per, the first postcard is fairly straightforward, it is the second postcard uh, that is seems it is still a huge mystery almost 40 years later. Um, who, the, uh, who got this postcard? Was it Sandy again? I think it was my Aunt Sandy, yes. Okay. And I'm going to read uh, the, the um, what is written in the second one. And, and here is the second postcard. Uh, I'm going to read it for the listeners. And once again, you can go see it for yourselves in a variety of locations uh, that are already posted on July 16th, 2021. Uh, the postmark is not... New Orleans. It is Vachery, Louisiana. V-A-C-H-E-R-I-E, Louisiana. The date is January 11th, 1982. And it says, I'm sorry I had lost your address. Dear Sandy, I really have missed you. I hope you and your family are all are all are well. I want you to know that I got engaged for Christmas. And I am very happy. Well, I am sorry... I have to be going now, closing now, but take care of yourself. And the weird part, of course, is that it's not signed by Randy, but by, it looks like Candy Lewis or someone like that. Right. And so this regarding this postcard, being that you did not find out about the other postcard, which was surely sent by Randy... Is this the same situation with this postcard that you did not find out about it until a while later? Right. Okay. And I should. I found out about that one the same time I found out about the first one. Okay. So sometime well into the eighties, years after they both were received. Right. Um, being that you got to talk to uh, Sandy, you said you were very close to her, and unfortunately she is not with us anymore. Can you offer up what she said about this particular second postcard? Even it's from Louisiana, and she, well, she didn't say anything to me. My mom had it at that point. Okay. My mom had both postcards at that point. Okay. Um, she was at that point. She was looking for him. Okay, and but did you ever have a chance to talk to Sandy about this particular second postcard yourself? No. Okay. Any reason for that? No. Okay. No, not really. Okay. Okay, well, you know, you said you were very close to her. Of course, if she were still alive, I would love to talk to her. I think there's, there seems to be some things missing here uh, regarding that. That's what I'm saying. It's just not, there's a lot of things missing. Okay. Signed by him. I don't know. I don't think they thought it was from Randy. They, you don't. Because it says, "I hope you and your family." Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it We are his family, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So it wouldn't even make sense that he would say something like that. Right. It, it, I don't it, know if it, it was somebody that knew him, that was connected to him in the the Louisiana area, yeah. or I, I really don't know what how the postcard is related to randy at all okay but we're the thing is your but th- the thing is the reason that is included though in his disappearance is because it from, it's in from louisiana that's right right so 
it would seem it's a coincidence then. You know, I would also say, though, that it seems to me, and what year did, if you can remember, what year did Sandy die? Uh, oh, my goodness. She's, I don't know the year, but I do know that she's been gone for quite a few years now. Uh, would you say that she died in the 1990s? I would say the 1990s, yes. Okay, so there was plenty of time that this postcard was out there. Do you think that Sandy thought that this was connected to Randy, this postcard, being that she's the one that got it? I don't think she knew. I don't think she knew mm-hmm. who the postcard was from. Either. Okay. All right, so she didn't look at the person who sent it to her and said, oh, yeah, that's my friend Candy from way back in the day. No, because I don't think so, because um, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have gave the postcard to my mom. Right, I, I agree with you. So it always gets very confusing, isn't it, Valerie? Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's hard to... It's a mystery, a big mystery. It, it's a huge but... mystery, and I'm going to... Um, this is going to be very interesting to me to, to determine what the listeners, uh, you know, what um, conclusions they can come to once, you know, uh, Unfound has thousands and thousands of listeners to be able to hear what their insight is into all of this. So um, it seems to me I agree with you. If Sandy gave this postcard to your mother, even though it was addressed to Sandy, it would seem to me that Sandy then thought it was somehow from Randy. Connected to Randy. Right. Connected to Randy in one way or another. Absolutely. Uh, Now, my opinion is the writing's different. The address is different. It has a totally different tone to it. So I mean, sometimes I wondered if maybe it was that girl that he left, that, yeah. that he knew that he had in California with him, and she went to Louisiana with him, and mm-hmm. maybe it was from her, but I don't know what her name was. Okay. All right. Um, so when did your family, so we have 1978 postcard that is 99.999% Sure, it's from Randy. And then we get, then there's no silence. There's uh, radio silence, I guess you'd say, for four years. It doesn't seem like your family thinking about Randy much. Not saying they don't care about him, but they're going about their lives. And then in 1982, this postcard comes from the same area where he seemingly moved to. The person who gets it seems to believe that it's from Randy. That's why she gives the postcard to your mother. But when does your family yeah connected connected to him in some way? When does your family start to get concerned about Randy possibly being missing? The way you remember it, I would say it had to be in the nineties because my mom did that. Uh, Did you see the story that she wrote in the women's magazine? Uh, I think I I'm not sure if I did or not. I don't remember it. Maybe I. can't remember. She did, yeah, she did an article about him missing, and uh, okay, in the nineteen nineties. I think it was like in maybe the early nineties, maybe the late eighties, early nineties. Okay, so what do you think it finally took? Once again, your impression going back to that time. What I, did it? What did it finally take for people to start thinking? You know, something's not right here. Because it had been such a long time. Okay. And nobody had heard from him. Okay. And, and then, the, you know, the things with the... We uh, had known that he went to uh, New Orleans, 
you know, and mm-hmm. I never heard from him again. Or mm-hmm. Louisiana. But mm-hmm. Yeah, we should note that uh, the first postcard was sent from New Orleans. The second one's from Vatry, and... They're not far away from each other, but they're not exactly close either. Avatry is not, for example, a suburb of New Orleans. But, you know, you can easily drive from one place to the other, no problem. Um, okay, so you said that eventually some of your family members, maybe even your mother, um, went to New Orleans. Uh, do you know what went on there, getting the New uh, Orleans police th- involved? Yes, she... She went to New Orleans, uh, and they flew out there, and um, she went to a psychic mm. to see if they could tell her something. Mm-hmm. And I think she went to the New Orleans Police Department, and they just kind of think they went where the, you know, where the boardwalk is, or... Uh, where Bourbon Street is. Yeah. You know, the kind of the touristy area. Yes. Okay. And um, so the missing persons report to this day, do you believe it is filed in New Orleans? I think there's one filed in New Orleans and one in California, too. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know if in in doing uh, the paperwork for this way back in the 1980s, late 80s, whenever the missing persons report was filed... Do you know if anybody has ever done any search, for example, for Randy's social security number? I think my mom did. And nothing and found? It didn't, show, it didn't show him. Yeah, nothing. Okay. So, um, any tax records that you've been able to hear about? Anything like that? No. Um, no. no records after, like, 1978? Right. What did your family think, uh, you know, when he didn't contact them, and uh, how did that, how did you find out that they were doing this? What do you remember about that time? You mean, when they were Well, I guess, yeah, when they figured out that, man, we hadn't heard from Randy in a while, did they automatically think foul play? Did they think, well, maybe he's just moved on with his life, he's ticked off at us? What... do you remember the tone of the thinking when you when you would speak to your mother or to Sandy or anybody else about Randy and him being out of touch for so long? Oh, my mom was just worried at that point. You know, she wanted to reconnect with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was very tough because Randy seemingly was in the New Orleans area but didn't get it, give anybody an address or a phone number. Right. Okay. Well, they didn't have cell phones in those days, no, you know. And they they didn't surely have, did not. And who knows if he even had a home at that time or if he was just staying with other mm-hmm. people. I mean, or who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Right. Or maybe he lived on the boat that he was working on. Or I mean, mm-hmm. it could be anything. Yeah. Now, there has been um, some writing uh, about this, and I'm just going to ask you about it. This was in uh, the the blog at Underground Mysteries. Once again, uh, a woman who has put some time into, um, you know, looking into Randy's disappearance has done some good analysis on the stamps and, and some other things, and I'm hoping I'm going to get to interview her, but I've not interviewed her yet as of the taping of the interview we're doing now, I'm hoping I do get to talk to her. But, you know, there there is some, 
writing about Randy maybe before he left California, you know, talking, uh, you know, about, you know, becoming very religious, uh, well, he, things like uh, that. that what, be, what, anything that you can say about that? He left California. Yeah. Randy was always very spiritual. He always um, mm -hmm. wrote about that kind of stuff. And, I mean, if you ever spoke to my mom, she could show you or tell you about some of the stuff he wrote about and uh, about warriors and hmm. stuff like that, you know. And um, okay, he would he would sing about Jesus. And, All right. So, in your estimation, um, him being that way was not unusual at all. That's Randy. No, that's who, that's who Randy is. Okay. Yeah. Ever, in your opinion, once again, I know you were not around him that much. Uh, you know, he was in Texas, and then he came back to Las Vegas, but then he went to California. I, I don't know how much you were talking to him before he left to go uh, hitchhike away from California. Any, I wasn't. Yeah, any, talk. any talk that he ever had any mental illness, anything like that? Um, no, I mean, maybe some depression, but my mom even went, uh, she thought that he may have had amnesia, and she mm -hmm. contacted some hospitals, and she also spoke to a girl that uh, that was on a bus, because when, when my mom wrote the article in the women's uh, okay. magazine, a girl contacted her and told her that she had met Randy on a bus. Huh. Where? In New Orleans? My mom. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was, but my, my mom knows exactly, okay. and uh, she had said that she had met Randy, and um, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, would this have been uh, 78, 82? You know, any ideas at all? I couldn't tell you the exact date. Okay. It would have been in that time frame when he had left and uh, was traveling mm. to New Orleans and all that other stuff. It, okay. It would have been in that time frame, I think. Okay. In all of these years, uh, even going back over 40 years, has anybody in the New Orleans area, being that Randy's on NamUs, Randy's on the Charlie Project, of course there's this blog entry about Randy, has anybody... In the New Orleans area, ever come forward to say, you know what, I worked with Randy somewhere. No. Or I knew Randy, I got to know Randy, anything like that. No. Never. Just that girl. That said yeah. that she was on a bus with him. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to this. And like I said, I'm trying to uh, doing this interview with the the woman who runs Underground Mysteries, but. How did you um, become acquainted? Um, I'm not sure we can use her name right at this point, but how did you become familiar with the blogger uh, who has, done, I think, done some nice work on Randy's case? She how did you? I think she had contacted me. Yeah. In either in Messenger or somewhere, she she contacted me and asked me if I wanted her to get involved and maybe mm -hmm. help me find my brother. Okay. And how long ago, what year was it's that? A long time ago. long time ago. It was quite a while ago, and then I didn't talk to her for a really long time, and um, she contacted me again and asked me if, if I wanted her to re-establish uh, re 
looking mm-hmm. again for him. And I said, yes, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what 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 what's it been like uh, talking to her? Um, you know, her writing. You know, as you would probably expect, there's not a lot of information out there about Randy's disappearance. Um, but you know, to have somebody writing about it, you know, in the 21st century and doing the analysis, um, you know, how has it been working with her? Um, I like Barbara. And so. But she has done some work uh, looking into, like, government databases. And, and what she has told me is that, you know, she, like you say said, really no hard paperwork after 1978. That's kind of what she has said. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Um, what's this been like for the last over 40 years, Valerie? Yeah, I used to... Um... I used to go through uh, uh, Facebook looking for his name. I used to uh, get online and try and find Randy Dorans and a few of them I've written to or called. And <laughs> I used to mm-hmm. look for him all over the place. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Randy Dorans out there, believe mm-hmm. it or not. In a, in a country of 330 million people, there's certainly going to be a lot of Randy Dorans. That, that's, yeah. that's true. That is surely true. Um, what age uh, would he be now, and what is his birth date, um, just so people know? May 19th. Of 19... Um, I'm, I was born in 56, and mm. he's older than me. All right. So he, he was born in 55. Okay, so May 19th, 55, so he'd be 66 years old. And all right, and um, so if anybody's looking up any Randy Durans, uh, you know, the if he's still out there somewhere, there's uh, I have to say, there's no reason to believe he's deceased except for the idea that he's 66 years old, you know, you know, um, you know, maybe he got some disease or something, cancer or something, but you know, other than that, I have no reason, other reason to believe that he wouldn't be with us, so um. You know, does you know when you get together with your family, does his name come up much? Do you talk about him? No, ha, ha, it, it really doesn't. And, uh, Is that sometimes, right? Um, once in a, a great while, it does. But my mom doesn't really like to talk about it that much. Mm-hmm, I can understand that. I think it hurts her. You know, uh, I'm sure it does. Uh, although I will say, on the other hand, we have a lot of mothers. Probably the most common demographic of guests we have on the program are mothers of missing adult children. Of course, uh, Randy would certainly apply, you know, apply in, in that respect. But I understand, you know, a lot of people cannot talk about it. You know, it's it's very painful. Um, do you talk to you? You have a younger sister. Do you and your younger sister talk about Randy once in a while? His name comes no. up. No. No. Okay. Okay. Well, this is uh, this is a tough one. These older disappearances always tough. We have we have no cell phone information to talk about, phone records, social media, video cameras. Uh, this is what makes these older disappearances uh, so difficult. 
Um, do you have, of course we know about the blog, Underground Mysteries. Um, and once again, at this time, I've not interviewed the woman that runs that site. I hope to. But um, do you have a Facebook page, anything like that otherwise, set up for Randy's disappearance? No, I do not. Okay. Just, yeah. what, she, just what she did. Yeah, and she's, yeah. On Facebook. Yeah. And she's done a nice job of it. So I think you're yeah. being well represented there. That's probably even better than a Facebook page or anything that somebody would devote some of their own time in their own blog where they can write about anything to do, do as much as she's done regarding Randy's uh, disappearance. Okay. Uh, Valerie, any final words before we complete this interview? No, I just, I hope one day we find him. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I will continue to talk to you, Valerie. I hope to be able to give you some good feedback from this episode. I hope, you know, we can continue to talk. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you, and I appreciate you giving me the time to do this. You're very welcome. And now the second interview for this episode. I'm so happy to have on this program for the first time another blogger uh, from the true crime world, Barbara from the Underground Mysteries blog. Barbara, welcome to Unfound. Hello, Edward, and thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. You're very welcome. Um, just uh, very quickly, just uh, let the listeners know a little bit uh, about yourself, who you are. We're not going to use your last name, as a lot of bloggers like their anonymity. Just tell the listeners uh, as much as you feel comfortable uh, telling them about yourself. Well, I started Underground Mysteries back around 2005, but at the time I called it Need to ID. I was just kind of doing the same thing I'm doing now. I kind of branched off into two other names, which are underground mysteries and donaming. My main job of employment is helping law enforcement to identify Jane and John Doe's basically unidentified remains by wow. using DNA. Before I started doing that, I always had an extreme passion for helping look for the missing people. And it started since I was a small child, actually, making sure people were accounted for and just not forgotten. It always just worried me at any time somebody seemed to drift away or, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know what happened to them. So it's kind of just like a purpose and a passion I feel in my soul that it just doesn't sit well mm -hmm. with me that someone can be missing. Um, so I started to help look for missing people when I was in my teens. And by my early 20s, I was looking at unidentified remains voluntarily to try to give tips to law enforcement. Yeah. But now I do that for employment as a forensic investigator. Wow. And for years on the side, you know, for years on the side, I've been writing investigative articles on missing people. Yeah. I specifically write about cases that are either unreported or underrepresented. So this means people that simply do not have a missing persons report or people yeah. that just do not get out of media attention. Some cases wow. do not get any attention actually. Wow. And is that how you all decided to uh, do your blog, I guess, independent from your other work? Pretty much, but I've always kind of had that mm. blog um, running for years. I just yeah. had it under a different name and a different website. Okay. And I kind of just, um, I, I, they kind of coincide with each other because behind most missing, oh, I'm sorry, behind most unidentified people are missing people. Sure. Although not all of them are reported missing, so that kind of gets tricky. But it does. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, kind of like playing a, um, 
a game of matching which one matches which and right. it is pretty difficult but i mean a lot of advocates like you and you and me and lots of other people mm -hmm. out there that help to um you know get that going and then i started doing the dna for work because i was um getting pretty heavily involved in that aspect as well okay interesting now on your blog you know, of course here on unfound we just do unsolved missing persons cases, but I, my my uh, I think my insight tells me you do a lot of different different kinds of you do unidentified remains and missing persons cases and and other other things. Well, actually, on on the underground mysteries page, um, I actually mainly focus on missing people. I don't really write a lot about unidentified people as of right now, but I used to. Mm -hmm. I kind of switched over recently to actually focus more on missing people. And uh -huh. um, because I, I do so much for the DNA for the unidentified people already. So yeah. I kind of just wanted to have that other side um, covered. And I like to really put a lot of details in my stories, or at least I try. But sometimes it's pretty hard to get in touch with the, the family or, you know, right. in certain cases. But in this particular case that we're talking about today, um, it was yeah. actually great because they were so they gave so much information. And it was just, you know, they were so helpful in, you know, helping to piece together the timeline. And um, I also I have a few goals to my blog. Um, yeah. One is to create public awareness in cases, but the other goal is that I, I heavily tag each article. So they're mm. not really made with the intent to like glorify missing people or even really entertain, but to help find them. And I mean, yeah. to, obviously to help get public interest, I try to make them entertaining to read, but I know that's not like my goal. Yeah. Um, or the primary focus at least. Mm -hmm. And the, the tagging has helped find several missing people who were connected to John and Jane Doe's or just who were just um, out there missing because I cover cases that aren't easily searched in NEMOS. Yeah, right. I kind of, yeah, I kind of sort of use, um, am used as like a NEMOS alternative because a lot of the cases I cover aren't even in NEMOS. At least they aren't when I start writing about them. And then later down the line, the goal is they get picked up by other, you know, stations or such as people like yourself, podcasts, right. things like that. And then eventually they do get put in the name us. And sometimes I enter them myself, but they're not always taken in. They're not, I mean, they're always, they're not always approved because I need a law enforcement agency to sign off on them. And the only way for that is if they are, they have like a formal report and, a lot of the cases I write about do not have a formal report, and that's why I write about them, to try mm. to get them out there more. Okay. You said that recently you've just focused, decided to focus on missing persons cases. Uh, what caused that change? Actually, I, I still focus on the unidentified, but mm -hmm. I think it's more so because I um, because I do so much work-wise with identifying mm -hmm. John and Jane Doe's, so I kind of just wanted to cover the other angle and really get the word out there about people who are missing. And I, I'm just really sad over all the missing people. And I yeah. think about them a lot, even though I don't know them, it like feels like I know them in some ways. Right. It's really weird. Right. No, I get so, it. I feel it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it too. Absolutely. Um, how, how often would you say you post to your blog? Is it like a, a, like a continuous thing? Like I have to post once a week or is this just when you feel like it? What would you say? I try to post a few times a week. Sometimes that doesn't happen. There are some weeks where I don't post at all, but then there's some weeks I'll post four times in the week. So, but I always update my map. I have a, an interactive map of 
everyone who went missing in the state of New Jersey, well, so far, mm -hmm. um, on my website, and I update that all the time. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. And we've the the New Jersey disappearance uh, that comes to mind that we've covered. Maybe you know about it. Nicholas Masucci disappeared back in 1974. We had his daughter probably, on uh, several <laughs> several years ago from Kearney, New Jersey. Maybe I don't know if you know about that one or not. I don't know about it offhand. I mm. have about four hundred. Yeah. Um, missing people that I have on the map, so I probably have them on the map because yeah. I, if they're in Namus, they're on the map. Yeah, well, um, yeah, sure, yeah. for sure, for okay, sure. Okay, then I have them on the map. Yeah, and I okay. write biographies for everybody and everything like that. Right. Um, and, but well, I don't know the case like offhand. I don't right. really have them all memorized. But may, yeah, may you, a lot. Well, yeah, you probably heard of this one though. This is not one we've covered on the program yet, but I have talked to this, uh, the mother of this missing boy many times, uh, Mark Heimbaugh. Yes, I do know the name. Yeah, that's another one from New Jersey. We've not yet covered it on the program, but I've talked to, like I said, not recently, but I've spoken to his mother a few times over the years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's okay. Well, great. Thank you for doing the map, too. That's that's spectacular. Well, let's move on to um, Randy's disappearance. How did you hear about his disappearance? Of course, he didn't disappear from New Jersey, and we're not using your last name. Totally understandable. But, you know, you just... Uh, focus on disappearances in New Jersey with this map that you just mentioned. Of course, he did not dis disappear, at least from what we know from New Jersey. How did you find out about him? Oh, I'm sorry. No, the map is for New Jersey, but mm -hmm. the cases I write about are from all over okay. the United States, Mexico, and Canada. So I write about anybody. I don't okay. yeah, only write about, yeah. Um, right. But for the map, I focus on New Jersey New because Jersey, that's where right. I started with. But yeah, sure. because I'm only one person, I can't do the whole United States <laughs> yet. But okay. hopefully, eventually, I'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, it took me like a year just to do New Jersey. But sure. actually, um, yeah, um, Randy's case was on Ancestry.com. My associate, Sam, he found um, a very vague um, one-liner post from Randy Doran's mother, Gloria. She had written something along the lines of, I'm just looking for my little son. And mm -hmm. he came across that, and I believe he sent it to me. And we looked into it and found... Um, Gloria's identity and figured out how to contact her. Um, I didn't get in touch with her right away, but I was able to locate her daughter and called her on the phone. Uh, Valerie, the one, uh, the, right. the daughter, daughter who I Valerie. interviewed for this episode. Sure. And what year do you believe that was? Was that uh, last year or five years ago? When do you think that was? That was probably, I would guess, around 2018 if i'm not mistaken i'm just okay. taking a ballpark guess um, yeah. we didn't talk for a couple years because at the time we didn't know um you know where we were going to go forward with that they didn't really um i think she said she was going to talk to her mom and I, I didn't really have mm -hmm. um any connection to her mom yet but once i you know we got in a group chat and we started talking about it and then it escalated from there very fast and then i told mm -hmm. her i run a website i would like to write about him and that's when she replied and said great you know yeah. and she gave me all this info great interesting okay so that's how you got in contact uh with gloria once again randy's mother and then valerie his sister who uh, of course is being in who was interviewed for this episode as well her interview played right before yours um so i you know people are going to go to your blog under uh, underground mysteries to see everything that you've done but so they can read it there but let's just in a little bit um in a nutshell let's just go through some of 
uh, the things that you've done. Uh, maybe we need to talk about this first. You know, you've looked through uh, government records for Randy Duran. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, the process that you use for that particular part of this disappearance? Well, the on I did find a couple different documents that just verified his birthday and things like that. Um, but then his mother had a, a, an old Social Security record that listed his um, last date of employment. I'm sorry, his last year of employment was 1978. And she ordered this actually in around 1999. So that mm. was kind of like a big clue right there that he hasn't been working on the books since yeah. 1978. Yeah. Um, it did not show where he worked in 1978, but he had been working every year of his adult life up until 78. Okay. All right. So that was one of the records. Any other records that uh, you can talk about besides anything involving his social security uh, number? Anything else? Public documents. Um, yes, there was a, um, there were some military documents that I had come across, which basically right. just kind of, pieced together when he was in the military, but they didn't really mm. give much information as to like, you know, where he could be. Okay. So I guess what you're saying, and once again, in your expertise, you do this as a job, you're used to researching things like that. As far as you could tell since 1978, there are no government records out there regarding Randy Duran. Not that I'm aware of. Um, mm -hmm. We have not, the detective working on his case um, Paige Nealon, she has uh, already tried to get an updated uh, Social Security record on him. However, mm -hmm. they have not given her the record back yet, and she said mm -hmm. it could take a while. So, right, of course, it could. that's kind of like a waiting game. Okay, so far as from a as far as we can tell, once again, we're doing this. I'm um, doing both interviews on July twelfth, twenty twenty one. As of this date, no government records really since nineteen seventy eight. Yes, not that we can, okay. you know, the, find. The, at this point. Okay, thank you. Right. Now, you've done some, I, what I think is some very uh, great work in looking at those postcards. And I'm going to be talking a little, bit, a little bit about the postcards myself in my summation for this episode. But uh, maybe just once again, in a nutshell, let's t talk a little bit about the postcards. You've even looked at the stamps, uh, etc. Just talk a little bit about that um, and how you went about doing that. The f okay, well, there's two postcards that um, Randy's family had kept through the years. The one, the one postcard Randy had sent to his aunt, who he, um, whom he had kept in contact with through the years. Um, well, up, up until 1978, and this particular postcard basically implied that he was doing well in right. New Orleans, Louisiana, which is his last known whereabouts. Yes, and on the stamp. Um, basically the stamp showed April of 1978, but the digits were a little warranted due to the age yeah, and because of the price listed on there, that's actually how I was able to establish what year the postcard was from. Okay. Uh, interesting. So uh, I guess what we're saying is we kind of, uh, I know you've looked into many other disappearances and written many, we kind of have to become experts on things like very quickly. We kind of, you know, you start learning like postcards, stamps, things that you, you know, yet you, you need to know about to analyze a disappearance in a in a in a, in a decent way. Okay, um, any insights that you have now, you know, regarding the second uh, postcard? Of we, of course, we know that um, you know it was signed by somebody 
who did not identify himself as Randy Duran. But that second postcard, anything in particular that caught your eye about that second one? Of course, it was four years later. Uh, what caught my eye is how much stamps went up in price since 1978, <laughs> over 50%. But anything uh, about that postcard that, that maybe you think the people should know? Well, Valerie believes it kind of sounded like a Dear John type postcard. I, when, when she told me that, I read it again and I realized exactly what she meant. It does kind of sound like that, but also it could be um, taken another way as well. I think mm -hmm. that maybe it could have been someone in that new Randy, but mm -hmm. I couldn't find any proof to that. Mm -hmm. And I did try to track down who wrote the postcard, yeah. but it was, yeah, I wasn't able to really find them. There was too many people with similar names and the name wasn't, you know, 100% legible. Right, and yeah, it could be Candy Lewis, it could be Caudill Lewis, and I, right. I think when the listeners look at those postcards, you know, they're going to see a lot of different names uh, mm -hmm. that they can come up with, them, with themselves. In fact, you, I think you wrote in your blog, if you'd like to talk about it a little bit more, you stated that you actually did find a Caudill Lewis, C-A-U-D-I-L-L -L Lewis. Did that lead anywhere at all? No, um, I did talk to her, or I'm sorry, Valerie or someone, I forget who, someone talked to her son, mm. and the, um, the son did say they were going to get back to them, but unfortunately, mm. we haven't heard anything back, okay. and so I did send him another message, and I didn't hear back from him, um, so yeah, the mother, I don't know if maybe she's not doing well, mm -hmm. or, or what, but yeah, we haven't heard back from her, we don't know if it's the, if it's the same person. Okay. And we, you and I, in our previous conversation, we've had a couple previous conversations, but one of them, we talked about marriage records and maybe that could be something that could be looked into being that in the second postcard, it says, well, I got engaged at Christmas, which maybe we should take Christmas of 1981, which could mean this person who wrote it was getting married in 1982. Did you have a chance to uh, he's taken a, an opportunity to look at marriage records in Louisiana, for example, to see, you know, if you could track down a Candy Lewis, a Cotta Lewis, any, anybody like that. Yes, I had looked, and there were some that had similar names that did get married. Unfortunately, not to a Randy Doran, though, mm -hmm. so it wasn't very conclusive. And there wasn't anyone in the family I could tie to, so I don't know who right. this person is yet. right. And it doesn't help that Lewis, and it does, I mean, we can debate maybe what the first name is, but the last name certainly does look like Lewis. Lots of Lewis's yeah. out there, right? A lot of Lewis's got married in Louisiana in 1982, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, they did. Okay. Uh, let's move on to this, which also seems like uh, an area of expertise for you, is John Doe's. Um, I know that you looked at a, in particular, one John Doe and trying to relate it to uh, Randy, but it seems like this John Doe occurred before Randy went missing. But um, over the last few years, have you looked at some John Doe's from Louisiana, Florida, this area, um, you know, and trying to relate that to Randy's? Have you tried that? Yes. Um, I have a list of about 150 John Doe's that wow. Randy could be potentially. Wow. Um, yeah, there's actually a very long lag or queue, I should say, of unidentified remains mm -hmm. that waiting for DNA to be extracted and some are in CODIS already. Right. 
Okay, and and uh, I, I'm guessing they they do have Randy's DNA, or at least took DNA from somebody in his family, so they can yes. match up. But um, when you say 150, would you say that's 150? I happen to live in Florida, so this area of the United States, or uh, how big of an area are I'm we sorry. talking um, about? 150. Sorry about that. I should have clarified more um, in the United States in general. Okay, so 150. About uh, that, roughly. It was a really long document. It had at least over. It was probably a little more than 150 people. Wow. Okay. So this yeah. would be, um, you know, when you're looking, once again, this is not really totally my area of expertise, but it does sound like it's yours. So when you're looking at, at something like this, um, uh, we, let's say the remains were found in 2015 somewhere un, unidentified. Is that too far away from Randy's disappearance to take that kind of finding remains seriously? Or are you just saying anytime after 1978, if remains were found, if it's a man who is in similar build, ethnicity, et cetera, as Randy's, you're yes. including it. Or is something like if remains were found this year, would you would that go on your list or not? What yes, would, especially if the remains were found, but they um, were found to be old remains. So you can be, you know, a deceased person in the woods for 30, 40 years. And then someone sure. stumbles across the body, and if it's found in 2015, um, that person may have passed mm -hmm. away in the 70s or 80s. So yeah, um, yeah. So they they do take the DNA from them. They try to do it more um, promptly nowadays. That they take it instead of burying the body first, they take the DNA before they bury the body. Yeah. But back in the 70s, they didn't do the, take the DNA. Right. That's exactly right. All right. So what you're saying is those 150, those could be remains uh, that were just found within the last few years. Some of them were, yes. Okay. Um, but the remains were very old. Right. Right. You have to make sure that, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. They were very good point. skeletonized, basically. Okay. Very good point. Um, just in general, and I, I would like to, to talk to you a little bit about maybe some of the other cases that you've covered, but, you know... We do cover some disappearances uh, from the 1970s. In fact, we've covered one the whole way going back to the 1940s. But in doing the work that you do, do you have a lot of experience working on disappearances, cases like this that are over 40 years old? And, you know, how do you go about doing that? Yes, actually, I have um, helped with a lot of cases that were from the 1970s. And um, they work pretty much similarly to current cases um, with the DNA aspect, at least, mm -hmm. because um, the DNA is extracted from the body. However, the issue that often arises is that it might take a few extractions, which costs the agency, the um, law enforcement agencies, a pretty decent amount a of, lot money. of money. Yeah. So, yeah. So it always comes down to a budget issue or mm -hmm. often comes down to a budget issue. Not yeah. always. Right. To re redo the DNA extractions. Right, right. And in particular about um, Randy's, you know, going back, trying to find records, of course, from 1978. And as the listeners heard in uh, my interview with Valerie, you know, she, she of course, knew Randy at the time. Uh, you know, I'm, I would never ask you how old you are, Barbara, but of course she was like 20 at the time. And even so, she was in the family. A lot of these things are not very clear to her. You know, they're a little cloudy. Of course, she had her own life to right. live back then. So um, have you run into that a little bit when talking to other families about disappearances that can be uh, this old? Or what's your experience in that area? Yes, it is um, a, you know, it's a challenge to recreate the timeline because memories do get blurry. Um, I'm 38 and I already can see some, <laughs> some of my own memories get blurry. So, 
Yeah, I could only imagine, you know, from yeah. the 70s, I don't know. Right, right, yeah. As I told Valerie during our interview, I was uh, not even eight years old when this disappearance happened. If we're going to take, <laughs> of course, 1978 as the disappearance date, maybe some people would like to move that up to 1982. Okay, so you do have some experience in this area, and I, I do want to I will want to come back to that in just a moment, but... I don't. We don't do a lot of theorizing on on Unfound, uh, but I I do do it when we have bloggers like yourself on there. I've had uh, Anthony from Crime Blogger 1983 on the program um, four or five times now. I've had Heather Heather Grotman from the Lost and Found blogs. I think three times. I apologize to both of them if I got those numbers wrong. But we do do at least a little bit of theorizing because they are writers and they do theorize and they have a lot of ideas about these things. Regarding that second postcard, you know, you have a lot of experience in mysteries like this. And this is a unique piece of information. Uh, what is your insight into that second postcard being signed by somebody else? A anything at all? Your best guess. I actually learned about the second postcard about a um, little less than a year ago um, because we hadn't exchanged much information prior to last year. Mm -hmm. um, but I did find the postcard was um, rather mysterious. I don't know who exactly sent it, and I don't really have any proof as to um, exactly, you know, if it was even related to Randy or not. And yeah. I've, you know, read it and analyzed it so many times, and I can't really determine that i mean i guess it's probably almost 50 50 like there is a chance but i don't know mm -hmm. if it's definitely connected i think the family um figured there's a chance for connection which i think there's definitely a chance as well yeah um for a connection because of the fact that it came from a, a city called vastery i don't know how to pronounce that louisiana which yeah. is um when i looked it up on a map it's pretty close to new orleans yeah louisiana so that's sure. why i feel like yeah there is a chance that it is connected but it could also be a coincidence and just from someone else yeah. um however if it was connected to randy it just makes me wonder you know why is there nothing showing up on his social security records yeah. there i couldn't find any marriage certificate to this possible lady who may have been uh, with him or yeah. you know maybe they broke up if they were together but um mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't able to come to any conclusive opinions, I guess you could say. Yeah. How, like like uh, I said before, I'm sure you've run maybe across a lot of maybe weird, as I have in over, covering over 200 disappearances, a lot of weird pieces of information. Uh, how, in the degree of w strangeness or anything, uh, where does this second postcard rank in your experience? I don't think it seemed too strange for me, but maybe huh. that's just my way of thinking. Yeah, I don't okay. I don't think that it struck me as anything that was odd. I think it may have just been something that was sent to Randy's aunt that wasn't related, but if it was related to Randy, then, mm. you know, that I guess that would be a little odd. Yeah. That, you know, nobody knows who this person is, especially Randy's mother, and if it was sent in 1982, then it makes you wonder, well, what about the past four years? Why yeah, was he not on record for anything? And why, sure. you know, there's there's nothing to suggest that um, he was around. Although, I mean, obviously, hopefully he has been around even this whole time. It's just, yeah. you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where he is at this moment. Whether he's deceased or alive, His he is physically somewhere, whether it's his mm. body or otherwise. Yeah, there's just no record of him. 
Right. Yeah, another record of him. You know, in talking to Valerie, and I know you haven't heard that interview, uh, but it played in the episode, it played before this interview we're doing now. You know, about that postcard, what's weird, I think, to me is that it obviously Sandy got that postcard, but in getting it, it's like she didn't know who the person was who sent it. In addition, she ended up giving it to Randy's mother, which would lead me to believe that even Sandy believed it was from Randy. Yes. You, you know, so so you, on one hand, you'd think if Sandy knew somebody with the last name Lewis or, or whatever that name is, she'd be like, oh, this is that person I knew from years ago. And then there would be no reason to give it to, of course, Randy's mother because it would be meant for Sandy. But being that she did give it to Randy's mother, I guess Sandy didn't know who the sender was either. Good point. So um, it's once again, I don't know if it's necessarily a paradox or anything, but it, it's it's something that neither way kind of makes sense. So right. I, I guess uh, we're going to continue and I are, and uh, the listeners are still going to con- going to continue to uh, think about that until it can be resolved and, and maybe it might not be anytime soon. So, okay, let's move on to this. And I always uh, give the bloggers a chance to uh, brag about uh, the work that they've done or they are doing. And so being that we just, of course, just talked about Randy Duran's disappearance and the work you've done there maybe you want to tell the listeners about maybe some of the other work that they would find on your website that maybe are considered you would consider to be you know really high points uh, of your website maybe you can talk a little bit about that now okay well um first i'll talk about the case of tina mckinney farmer she was a teenager who vanished in 1984 Um, I did not actually look for her like I do with most of the people that I write about because um, I actually had just written about her case um, and then left it at that. Typically, I search for people, but for whatever reason that month, I guess I just wasn't, you know, able to do that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was an unreported missing person, which means like no one ever filed an actual missing persons report on her. Therefore, she was not in namos.gov or anything like that. So... Um, apparently for years she was actually as she was actually an unidentified Jane Doe, um, unbeknownst to Tina's family, but the detective trying to identify this Jane Doe had no missing person record on file to match Tina. I'm sorry, to match the Jane Doe with. So Mm -hmm. of course they do internet searches and the detective came across my article and he instantly had a gut feeling that it was the same person. And he contacted me, and um, one thing led to another. He was able to identify Tina within a couple of months and, you know, cited my website because I was the only person that had her information listed on the web. And, in fact, the um, perpetrator behind her case was a serial killer named Jerry Johns. Not, not, Not familiar with him. Wow. Yeah, huh. he was. I believe he was already in jail. Actually, mm-hmm. didn't really look too much into his case after okay. that. And um, so, how many years uh, was she unidentified until you wrote about her and all of this was put together? How many years? It was probably about thirty something years. Oh my because, gosh! Yeah, she had vanished in the eighties. I think it was nineteen eighty four, wow. and I believe she was. It was somewhere around two thousand eighteen when I wrote about her. 
Wow. Uh, how did you feel? I mean, being that you wrote about it and knew about it, and then all of a sudden it gets solved with your work. I mean, how does that uh, make you feel? What, what, um, you know, when that something like that happens? I was really glad that, you know, she was identified and I was actually pretty shocked. Um, actually it was really weird because before I even read the detective's email, I had, um, because actually I had gotten it a little later. I had kind of put underground mysteries to the wayside for a couple months. And of course, during those two months is when he was trying to reach me and I didn't get the email at first because it, it came to my, um, platform online instead of my actual email address. So I didn't even get the message right away. And then I found a news article of her and I was like, Oh, I guess she's been identified. I didn't know it was because of my blog, but I had a feeling, but I never like read into it. Cause I just didn't, I don't know. I, I didn't do that, but huh. then I checked my website and then I saw his comments and messages and I was like, Oh wow. And then he wow. sent me some award in the mail. And look at so you. That was nice. Look yeah, at really you, nice. Bar yeah. Look at I you, Barbara. Really <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. How that's a that's a great like that story. Um, maybe one. How about so that's one that's uh, been solved. Obviously, unfortunately, this uh, woman was murdered. They know who did it, or they suspect who did it. How about one that you've covered that maybe is still unsolved, just like Randy's is. There are many like that actually that I mm -hmm. have written about, and um, I've written hundreds of them, and I just. Mm -hmm. Uh, most of them are on the map and I have, I'm actually going to post them as separate articles eventually mm. on like their own unique website, but they're able to be clicked on their bios and everything from New Jersey. But other than that, the stories that I write, there's so many of them. Um, mm -hmm. let me try to think of one. Like, okay. So here's one that kind of gets to me. Her name Go. is Roberta C. Mitchell. Okay. She went missing on September 2nd in 2002 in Camden, New Jersey. And What's really odd about this case is that it did not receive a lot of public recognition, and I feel really bad about that, so yeah. I made sure to write an article. I actually just did that recently, and I, I'm hoping to spread the word about her case because she actually had a mental disability. She yeah. had the mentality of a 12-year-old, and it's kind of like almost the equivalent of a child going yeah. missing, and she's just out there somewhere, and I, I mean, she's never been found, and yeah. I don't know why it just really bothers me that, you know, the fact that it's like no one was really looking for her or maybe they, I'm sure they were looking for her, but just, I mean, her family, of course, but mm -hmm. like the public doesn't really know about her case. Yeah. And so what year was this she, that she went missing or uh, what's, and say her name again, please for the audience. Her name is Roberta C. Mitchell. Okay. And she went missing. Um, I, I think I said 2002, but I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think it's actually 2000. Okay. From Somewhere Cam around 2000 to 2002. And from Camden, New Jersey. Yes. Okay. That'll be another one then that when uh, the listeners go to your website, they can check out the first one you've already uh, mentioned where she was uh, unidentified remains and it got solved with your help, which is spectacular. And then we have uh, uh, this one from Camden, New Jersey. So great. Uh, that, that'll give people a good place to start. On your uh, website, undergroundmysteries.com. And you're doing some nice work there, Barbara. So I want to congratulate nice. you. And of course, oh, certainly you. certainly helping with uh, Valerie and, and her family. It's really good work. Thank you. Uh, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, well, basically, I guess just, you know, if anybody 
has a family member or a friend or anybody that you you know know is missing don't ever feel silly to report them missing even if it's years after i mean obviously you want to report them right away within the first 24 hours but if for whatever reason you know they were never reported don't ever feel like it's too late i mean people get reported later and you know it's better it's better now than never that's the way i look at it so yeah. it's not too late just you know please report them missing that's all I can say. I mean, if somebody, mm-hmm. I try to get the word out that if somebody is missing, you know, don't let them, try not to let them go any longer yeah. than they've already been gone without a report. Yeah, I got to do it. For those that don't have a report. Yeah, I got to do it. Time is of the essence, for sure. Right, yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, Barbara, uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple weeks, and I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And those were my July 12th, 2021 interviews with Valerie Duran, sister of Randy Duran, and Barbara from the Underground Mysteries blog. I thank them both for joining me and all of you on this episode. And yes, if you heard the rumbling in the background during those interviews, that was a huge thunderstorm that passed through. Of course, the second postcard is what has gotten all the attention for this disappearance, and I will get to that in a moment. However, what should be the main concern in Randy's disappearance is why did he take the time to write the first postcard, but didn't give the family any way to contact him? They couldn't even write him back. Really, if Randy was upset with his family in California... Why write back at all? And if he wasn't, why not give them a phone number or address? It's hard to understand. As for what Barbara talked about, no government records of Randy after 1978, this certainly could mean something happened to him shortly after the first postcard was written. Certainly could. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if Randy found work somewhere where he got paid under the table. An employer might be motivated to do that since Randy was from out of town and seemed to be a drifter. Randy could have said he planned to go to Florida soon, once again motivating an employer to not go through all the paperwork. Certainly could have happened. Yet, did Randy not have any co-workers? Did they not notice that he went missing? And if something happened on the job, would they really keep their mouth shut for over 40 years? It's not a choice I would pick, but it's possible. Really, I think all options including Randy starting a new life with new name and social security number should be considered. That brings us to that second postcard. It is one of the strangest single pieces of information we've ever featured on Unfound. What do I make of it? Yes, the possibility that the author of it did get engaged during Christmas 1981 should be examined. Going through Louisiana marriage records for 1982 is a worthwhile pursuit even if Lewis or something like it is a common name. I realize Barbara said she did this already, 
And that's great work, but it should be done again. Less with an emphasis on trying to match someone to Randy, but more of an emphasis of simply trying to match someone to the card and not to Randy. Yet, there are still two points that cannot be explained. Number one, if the postcard had nothing to do with Randy, that it just happened to be a friend of Sandy who was in the general area of New Orleans, then why didn't Sandy say that? Seriously, when letters were being sent in the 20th century, how often did we get one from someone we didn't know? Never. In fact, that Sandy gave the postcard to Randy's mother means Sandy herself thought Randy sent it, despite there being no indications that Randy did so. So if Sandy thought Randy sent the 1982 postcard, should we not think the same? That's point number one. Point number two is something that hasn't gotten examined very much. The addresses on both postcards. If you look at both of them, you will notice that Randy did not write the zip code on the first one. Everything else is there. In fact, Randy is lucky the postcard even made it to California, given that it had no zip code. Whereas, if you will notice, the second postcard does have the zip code, but it does not have Sandy's unit number. So, the addresses aren't the same. I ask you, does it not make sense that if Randy sent both postcards, that he would write the same address on both? Meaning, the zip code would also be left off the second postcard, and the unit number would have been included in the second postcard. Does that not make sense? Having said that, if it were just a friend of Sandy's who was in Louisiana on vacation and planned to send her a postcard, why didn't this person have her complete address, including her unit number? I have no good answer to that. Meaning, the puzzle on this postcard will continue. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.